0: You are slipping into a distorted dimension. Reality and fantasy are changing places past the event horizon. Bullies are victims. Men are women. And abuse is love. You weren't here just yesterday. Reality is still out there. But to find your way back, you have to notice it and now, the disaffected podcast with Joshua Slocum
1: <clears throat> welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show This is the show that I'm recording after I wake up for taking a nap. <laughs> Like my little, my little frou-frou alarm. Anyway, I have to say, this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. Been a weird day. Sunday, we had to record the TV show today because we had internet connectivity problems at the actual studio we usually record on Saturday. So I had to do a show from home today. um, And by the time you listen to this, it will have been last night already or some other night. I decided I was going to uh, take a nap. And the most annoying thing happens to me every time I go to take a nap. I have to pee like six times. Just when I have to take a nap. <laughs> so I'm still working on my coffee. Uh, let's see how I do on this. I'll be a little calmer than I was on Friday. Ooh, ooh, I was heated. mm <clears throat> What are we going to talk about today? I want to talk about histrionics today. And and histrionics in terms of uh, histrionic personality disorder or strong doses of histrionic traits. If you're new to the show as a catch-up, that's a catch-up, not catch-up like you put on your hamburger. And You shouldn't be putting ketchup on your hamburger anyway. You should be putting mayonnaise on. If you're new... We talk a lot about traits that are commonly found in people with what are called cluster B personality disorders. Cluster B personality disorders are called the erratic and dramatic personality disorders. And if the concept of a personality disorder is is new to you, what it means is a way of thinking and relating and feeling and emoting that is markedly different from the norm and not in a good way, in a way that causes distress to the person and distress to people around them. And it's different from the kinds of mental illnesses that we usually, that usually come to mind when we say the word mental illness. We think of depression, anxiety, we might think of schizophrenia being actually disconnected from reality. Personality disorders are different. They can include things like depression and anxiety. These are symptoms that humans experience, they're symptoms that humans with personality disorders experience. But the personality disorders are pervasive, uh, largely unchanging with some exceptions, and extreme enough that they cause serious dysfunction in people's personal and or professional lives. So we talk about cluster B personality disorders, and there are clusters A and cluster C, um, but I generally focus mainly on cluster B. And... The traits within them, narcissism, over-emoting, being extraordinarily reactive to anyone disagreeing with you. The traits of these disorders are being normalized and more and more people who are not fully personality disordered are displaying an excess of these traits because our culture right now valorizes these traits. We talk a good game about having empathy, caring about other people, but we end up acting very unempathetic in our attempts to make other people be empathetic to people that we think deserve special care, whether it's the immunocompromised, whether it's women, whether it's trans, and it's always trans lately. A lot of this looks like what some people call uh, vulnerable narcissism. If you want to talk about pathological narcissism, narcissistic personality disorder, there are generally two main types of narcissism, two ways that this manifests. One is the classic grandiose narcissist. And this is the one that most people do not have any trouble recognizing. This is the person who is bombastic, uh, a braggart, always has the flashiest clothes or the flashiest car or the most worked out body, is better than everybody, smarter than everybody, funnier than everybody. We know this person. It's harder for people to detect the covert or vulnerable narcissist because instead of being grandiose and saying, I'm the best, I'm the best, they, they tend to grab for attention by being by presenting themselves as victims. So these are the people who always have something to be sad about. Someone has always done them wrong. Someone is always offending them, never using the right language. And most of their, their interactions with other people are attempts to garner sympathy and coddling and cooing and reactions like... <clears throat> Oh, you're so traumatized. Oh, of course, I should have been much more careful in my language. It's very manipulative. People have a harder time detecting this. And I think part of it is, and it's not exclusive to one sex. I'm seeing a lot of this in both sexes. But generally and typically, covert or vulnerable narcissism is more common in women and grandiose, overt narcissism is more common in men. I don't think it's just that people have a hard time detecting the vulnerable narcissism. I think that we are in some ways socially programmed not to recognize it as pathological because, well, frankly, because you find it more frequently in women and in our society right now, you are not supposed to criticize women. Any criticism of women's behavior is... Very quickly met with accusations of misogyny, not <laughs> just sexism, actual misogyny. you hate women. I think that has allowed for a great deal of extremely manipulative, very bad behavior from some women that has changed our political discourse significantly over the past thirty years and I think a good example of this and a good example of histrionics histrionic what i what looks to me like histrionic personality disorder is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, our US representative. Let me read you a series of tweets that she put out. And I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to do it in in my version of her voice because I can't stand it. It's so confected. It's so put on. So she says,
2: Imagine living in the U.S. today, where the number one source of domestic terrorism is far-right groups, per the FBI. Books about slavery are getting banned. Parents are criminalized for trans kids. Yet asserting the First Amendment is about protecting bigots from feeling embarrassed in public.
1: Is it Alexandria? Asserting the first amendment is about protecting bigots from feeling embarrassed in public. This is all another term for his, for if we're talking about, uh, theatrics, histrionics as theatrics, another word for that is exaggeration, hyperbole, purple prose, that sort of thing. Everything she just wrote is histrionic. Uh, the number one source of domestic terrorism is far right groups first of all we don't all agree on what domestic terrorism even is domestic terrorism seems to be whatever the political party in power does not like to hear so right now the left is in power <clears throat> and they don't like to they don't like to hear anything from the right side of the aisle they don't like to hear conservatism at all they would they would be delighted if the word conservative became a complete synonym For crazy and terrorist. So I can't even go with her that far because we don't agree on basic definitions. And she says books about slavery are getting banned. Where? Where are they getting banned from? And are they actually being banned? Is someone making it illegal to have them in a library or a bookstore? Or is she talking about the fact that parents rightly don't want what is called critical race theory? Used as the lens through which their children their children are taught American history and and uh, current political events. I think it's closer to that. Then she says, parents are criminalized for trans kids. No, Alexandra, actually. Parents trying to save their children from having their genitals mutilated and their endocrine systems permanently poisoned and potentially left sterile. Those are the parents who are being criminalized. Those are the parents whom the family courts are taking custody away from in favor of the parent who wants to mutilate the child
2: so they can be their two-gender.
1: Then she says...
2: Yet asserting the First Amendment is about protecting bigots from feeling
1: embarrassed in public. (laughs) How old is this This woman is like 31, 32 years old. There's her extended adolescence. I mean, she she does. She talks like a 16 year old. If I didn't know who this was, just as easy for me to believe that this was a a high strung uh, 16 year old girl going through the final stages of hormonal puberty. Let's move on to her next tweet. Oh, another example. <laughs> she writes, Boo! Corny! Tomato!
2: Tomato! Tomato!
1: And then she puts two emoji pictures of tomatoes.
2: I'm on team embarrassing racist is our First Amendment right. Not their First Amendment violation. Thanks. <laughs>
1: I don't even know how to criticize this because she's such a bad writer. I'm not exactly sure what she's saying, but I think she's saying that it's not a First Amendment right to say something that she finds offensive, but it is a First Amendment right to embarrass or try to humiliate people that she has decided are racists. That's the best I can do. We'll see. There's one more here.
2: (laughs) So many people's lives are actually endangered for their views, yet these First Amendment screeds only seem to crop up in defense of the historically powerful claiming minority status. Until it shows up for everyone, it's merely a service for the powerful, not a challenge of it
1: you idiot. (laughs) So many people's lives are actually endangered for their views. Whose lives, Alexandria? Because again, everybody on the left, led by the extreme left, the trans people, the trans activists, the third and fourth wave feminists, the woke people, the inclusive people, the diversity, equity, and inclusion people. You lot are running our cultural conversation. You are in the driver's seat. You're not the minority. It is so frustrating to me that it's almost impossible to say this and be taken seriously. And it's extra frustrating because six years ago, I wouldn't have taken it seriously either. But it's true. These days... the people who have the most difficult time expressing their views and having them taken seriously without some kind of social abuse or persecution are white people and men, especially white straight men. Now, as a white gay man, um, I'm not far behind because, (laughs) if you all haven't noticed, we white gay men, Gay doesn't seem to work for us anymore. Um, it doesn't make us any less white men, and being a white man is bad. So we, we're now losing. Um, and I'm not saying we should have had it because I don't think anybody should have this privileged cultural status where anything they say and any emotion they spew out is just fine because somebody hurt them at one point in the past or somebody hurt people like them 60 years ago or 150 years ago. But we gay men don't even have that anymore. Uh, we don't have it <clears throat> from the cultural left that used to be the home for many of us, we don't even have it within what people call the community. And there is no community anymore. It's all LGBTQIASP2+. It's everybody but gay. I mean, they put the letters in there because they have to make an effort, but they constantly shut us down. And they tell us that when we speak, we're speaking over them. Or cisgays cis gays, cisgendered,
2: you know, same gender as your sex assigned at birth, blah, 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 blah.
1: <laughs> so <clears throat> Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is, is really a distillation of this character type. She's vastly immature for a grown woman. She is, in fact, emotionally a teenage girl. And she sits in Congress. And if she just said things like this a few times, it would be one thing, but it's constant with her. And the pattern of behavior is what leads me to say she looks like a case of histrionic personality disorder to me. This is the woman who claimed that she was in fear for her life during the insurrection on January 6th at the Capitol when she wasn't even in the building that was um, was vandalized or trespassed into and that wasn't good enough she had to
2: again turn on that little girl voice and tell news reporters that she was talking to she wasn't just afraid of being killed she was afraid of being raped
1: it's disgusting fucking disgusting and anybody should be able to say that but i can i can say that actually having been raped fuck you alexandria <clears throat> and i clipped one response to her silly little screed <laughs> these people never stop this person has a picture of joe biden looking far healthier than he actually is as the, as their profile picture on twitter and the display name is has joe biden forgiven student loans And his response or her response, whoever it is, to uh, Cortez is, we need student loan forgiveness
2: today.
1: Uh. We're going to take a break here and uh, talk a little bit more about the histrionic tendency on the other side.
0: Kevin and Josh work themselves to the bone to bring you dark and disturbing content every week. There are starving listeners overseas who get no podcasts at all. Show appropriate gratitude today by making a donation at patreon.com forward slash disaffected or at subscribestar.com forward slash disaffected. Do it for mother. Welcome back. So
1: histrionic personality disorder, histrionic tendencies. I've said before that of the four cluster B disorders, I think the pure cases of histrionic personality disorder are probably the least dangerous to other people of of the four. And what I mean by that, I'm sorry for all the throat clearing lately, folks. Weather is changing and I I get a little bit allergic, so I try to keep it to a minimum, but I've also got to get the frog out of my throat. I'm not sure that I think there are very many cases of of pure examples of narcissistic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, histrionic or antisocial personality disorders. As time has gone on, It looks to me more, I I think of cluster B like the sampler platter at Denny's, right? You can choose three or four, (laughs) Yeah, three, I think you get two and then three or four for an upcharge. So I think it's more accurate for a lot of people who I think are personality disordered. I think they're firmly in cluster B territory, not just a heavy dose of traits, but they're all the way there. I think it's more likely a better description to say cluster B features of blank, blank, so, <clears throat> in relation to my mother, for example, I used to describe her as as having comorbid borderline and narcissistic personality disorders, and that's a fine description. but in the new way I'm thinking about this, um I would probably say she has to to my way of thinking an equal portion and 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 severe in each case of features of borderline and narcissistic personality disorders and occasional um, secondary psychopathic traits. And the more I'm reading, the more I'm finding out that there is a correlation between borderline personality disorder and psychopathic acting out. It doesn't mean that everyone with borderline personality disorder is also a full sociopath. It does seem to indicate that there's a great number of them who in certain situations and when they're very stressed, can, if borderline personality disorder, if the borderline that is being referred to as the border between neurosis and psychosis, there are some, and my mother is one of them, who more frequently go full on into psychosis, getting disconnected from reality, and then act in, frankly, psychopathic ways. They act in ways that display an utter lack of moral conscience about the effect of their actions on other people. <clears throat> but let's imagine, let's imagine, for the sake of argument, a pure case of histrionic personality disorder that doesn't have a lot of overlap with, with the other cluster B disorders. I once knew somebody, I once knew and worked with a woman who I suspect had histrionic personality disorder. It's possible that, that maybe she wouldn't be diagnosed, but she's an interesting case. I'll call her Kelly. <clears throat> That's not her name. Kelly was a very warm woman uh, and a very generous woman. I worked with her on many projects professionally, she was a really, really hard worker. She put together conferences. She, I mean, she really got work done. She didn't just try to queen bee everything and make other people do it for her. She really dug in and did the work. She she was, and I'm, I'm assuming still, is very talented, very intelligent, and in limited doses could be a great deal of fun. She was the kind of person who, how do I describe her? Okay. Do you know Patti LuPone, the Broadway star? I think Patti LuPone has histrionic personality disorder. Everything is over the top with her. Every gesture is huge and theatrical. Uh, You know, I roll my eyes a lot. People like this roll their eyes even more than I do. (laughs) Everything has has a particular vocal emphasis. Everything is exaggerated. Everything is dramatized. Even the most simple transactions, like buying milk in a store, Kelly was sort of like that. Except Patty Lupone, to, to me, has a mean edge to it. I think there's some. Well, there's there's a lot of narcissism in there for Patty as well. Patty Lupone doesn't like very many things that aren't Patty Lupone. Kelly was not like that, at least not in the ways that I've interacted with her. But you know, you'd you'd meet her at a conference and she'd come running up to you with her arms open and her eyes as big as saucers and go, "Oh my God, I'm so glad to see you! It's been so long!" And she'd grab onto you and whirl you around, you know, very dramatic. Um, but she was also a good storyteller because she injected drama into you know banal stories. I mean, I don't mean to criticize her, actually, but I mean, they, they were stories about things that weren't necessarily inherently dramatic, but she certainly made them dramatic. And there was one time many years ago when I was at a conference and I was actually, uh, Kelly offered her home to let me stay in to save money. And I said, yes, and a couple of people uh, who were working on the same project said to me, um oh, my God, do you really have the energy to spend the entire weekend at home with Kelly? And what they were saying was, you know, (laughs) there's a little bit much. Well, yeah, yeah, she was a lot much, actually. (laughs) Never had a crossword with her, though. But I don't know what she was like as a wife. I don't know what she was like as a mother. And I don't know what she was like as a full-time colleague. She was somebody that I collaborated with from time to time on, on, on projects that involved both of us. Um, I, I liked Kelly. I still like Kelly. If I ran into Kelly, I'd be happy to see her. But when somebody has a tendency to emotions that are that extreme, it worries Because will they be that histrionic in the other direction? What will happen if you do have a crossword with them? How far will they go? Will they scream at you? Will they talk about you behind your back? Will they make up exaggerated stories to other people about a horrible thing that you did? It's completely out of proportion to what you actually did. That's a worry. And it's something I think about because I have a higher than normal helping of histrionic traits myself as is obvious to anyone who watches my show, listens to me, or sees me on Twitter. I've been thinking about that, too. Um, the, a very wise friend of mine used to say, at just the right moments, a person's greatest strengths are also her greatest weaknesses. I have found this to be true. With most character traits whether you're in personality disorder territory or not. With most character traits, there is a positive face and a negative face to them. It depends on how they're used and in what context they're used. Some of the things that a higher dose of, of histrionic traits can help with are being entertaining, being a good storyteller, right? Um, I'm not trying to blow my own skirt up here, but I don't do false modesty. And I know that a lot of people find me entertaining, I find me entertaining. I wouldn't do this if I didn't. I want to entertain you. I want to make you laugh. I want to make you think. And yes, I do enjoy the attention I get from it. It makes me feel good. So there is a slightly narcissistic component to it. There is a theatrical component. I mean, histrionics literally means like an actor. But the flip side of that for me is that I can get quickly overwhelmed, um, particularly on social media like Twitter. I had deactivated my account for a few days this week because I was behaving badly. Sometimes the information and the conversation happens so thick and so fast. And it's so artificial because we're never in a situation like that in real life. If we're We're never in a room with a thousand other people where a couple dozen of them are saying something to us at the same time, and we expect to have to answer back to them. It's a completely artificial scenario. It's a completely artificial way of communicating, and it is designed in a way to stoke outrage and to allow outrage to continue. Twitter and maybe other social media, they have made conscious choices to take away de-escalation techniques, so in uh, they don't want you to be able to calm down because the clicks and the constant feedback are are what make them money. So, for example, if you are tired of seeing, if you're tired of somebody on Twitter, right, or if somebody's tired of me, which isn't hard when I'm being a bitch, you. You only have a couple of options. You can block them, which means they never see anything from you again and you never see anything from them again. Or you can mute them, which means that they can still follow you, they can still see your content, they can talk to you, but you won't see what they say, either in conversations with other people or when they're speaking directly to you. But the problem with that is it's not time limited. And when you have a high volume of followers or you follow a lot of people, you might be using the mute function more frequently nobody's gonna remember well maybe some people will but most of us aren't going to remember to go back to our mute and be like okay I took a break for three days from this person I'm gonna listen again they just end up staying muted forever at least on Facebook you have an option to snooze somebody for 30 days I wish there were other time increments because it's very useful I uh you know there are people that I like um, that I have snoozed for 30 days because I just I just have had enough of them for the moment and I'm absolutely certain that other people have snoozed me for 30 days. I would too because <laughs> sometimes I get going on my bullshit and I just can't stop. <clears throat> but Twitter won't let you do that. So, um, you know, we communicate with each other in media that are set up to encourage both histrionic emotions and histrionic outbursts because we get rewarded with attention or we get retweeted. And some people like negative attention too, and that's just as good for them. But thinking about histrionics What was I going to say? Yeah, I told you guys, this is the one where I just got up from a nap, so it's, it's as good as it gets today. Um, oh, there was one other thing I wanted to say about, about histrionic behavior in a pathological sense. Histrionic people can also can be very seductive, and they can be seductive in different ways. People who are histrionic and have a good sense of humor, uh, to me anyway, I mean, maybe maybe as I say these things, I should say, I experience people this way rather than saying they are seductive, but but it, it works. And to many people, this is seductive. Uh, they can get you with their humor. They can get you with intelligence. But there is, there's a kind of histrionics that is very sexual, and this is, Again, can be found in both sexes, but it's much more common in women. And I think it's because it works for women sexually most and romantically. Most of us don't tend to respond in a sexually positive way to men who use these behaviors. I'm not saying that there's anything, you know, necessarily weird. Well, except for the fact that if the behaviors are pathological, you know, that's weird and not great, But I don't think men could successfully use um the that same sort of histrionic seductive approach as, as women can because it's just not something that people who are attracted to men are not generally attracted to that in men. Histrionic women often come off as excessively sexual or excessively seductive. <clears throat> or they're the ones who sexualize situations that aren't inherently sexual. Madonna is a good example of this. Now, I think Madonna is fully cluster B, and I think she's cluster B features of blank, blank, blank. I I wouldn't be, I can't tell you that I think Madonna is primarily a narcissist or a borderline or a histrionic. Uh, I think she has features of all of them, and I think they come out in different contexts. I think she is personality disordered, uh, but I don't think she she fits any clear, uh, discreet, category within cluster B. But her, she is the, it's the vamp, right? The histrionic seductress is the vamp. It's that look, you know, that look in Madonna's eyes, looking up from underneath your eyebrows, that, that stare that is both sexual and also cold. There's a coldness to her hotness, right? Somebody described her as having dark witch sexual energy. I think that's a good one. Um, But you can see it. She can't go, and it's actually gotten worse as she's gotten into her 60s, and she's clearly trying to hold on to her youth and can't accept the fact that she's a woman in her 60s, not a woman in her 20s or her 30s. No matter what show she goes on, you know, I mean, she goes on, uh, what's his name? Not Jimmy Kimmel, uh, Jimmy Fallon, and starts writhing on his desk, you know, and showing her ass. I mean... That is classic histrionic seductress. But I think one way to think about people with a heavy dose of, of histrionic traits or, or who tip over into histrionic personality disorder is, think of them, histrionics are the people who show up at a party having preloaded. They've already had two drinks. Everyone else is starting at sobriety. Histrionics are starting two drinks in. So they start at a greater power level (laughs) because you know how even a a normally stayed person, you get a couple glasses of alcohol into them and they can become really flirtatious or they can say really outrageous things. That's kind of where histrionics start. So anyway, a little bit of a rambling show. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you all again in a couple of days.
0: Well. Hello, listener. It's Mommy again. You're quite welcome for the fine programming. Why don't you show some gratitude? Send Mommy some money on Patreon, patreon.com slash disaffected, or subscribestar.com slash disaffected. You wouldn't want Mommy to starve, would you? And if you don't love your dear mother, you're not invited to find us on YouTube, Rumble, or Odyssey for our hottest weekly content. I guess this is goodbye forever.